Hello, and welcome back to the Whole Brother Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Blade, and here we are, post-election, trying to get some more episodes in. Uh, there's a lot going on in our country right now, um, and I'm working on some other things to address some of the political aspects uh, for our audience that is interested in that conversation. Uh, but for now, uh, I have a family friend uh, on who I think has a unique story that is important for our listeners. With the Whole Brother Mission, obviously we have an emphasis on black men and fathers and sons, and that dynamic is very important. But something that I do think gets overlooked is the idea that uh, guys have daughters too. <laughs> you know, And sometimes that relationship uh, may not be prioritized in the way that fathers and sons are. I think the idea of girl dads, and it's crazy because it's, it's November now, but it's crazy to think that January of this year, we lost Kobe Bryant. And this idea of girl dads kind of became more popular. And you had fathers posting their daughters and, and adopting that title, which I think is, is a great thing. So we're going to tag this one for the girl dads. And I have a guest on today, like I said, a family friend, Yelena Cottrell. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to have you. So I know quite a bit of the story, and I could give my, my paraphrase version, but it's always better to get the story from the source. So, um, but before we jump into the story, I want to kind of highlight uh, the trajectory of our conversation. So uh, Yelena Cottrell is the owner of Yelena Styles Boutique. Is that, did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> so so she, she does hair. And uh, I think there's a lot that goes into that as guys who just get haircuts, you know, it's kind of like, oh, hair, you know, no big deal. But I've learned more and more from conversations with, with female friends about what goes into hair. And I realized, man, that deserves several degrees. You might as well call yourself a doctor of hair at this point because it's like, wow, I, I never knew. I never knew. Um, so I think there's a conversation there that we'll get to as far as dads and managing their daughter's hair. Because I know a lot of, I've seen in movies, like, there's a situation where it's like a single dad, and he's like, I got to figure this out. And he doesn't know how to handle the hair situation. So I do want to get to um, helping guys think through fatherhood of daughters and dealing with the hair aspect. But we'll get to that. But let's start with your story uh, and your relationship with your dad. And I'll let you, I'll let you take it from there. Okay, so um, where do I start? Um, so the story of my dad, I, my dad actually passed away in 2014. Um, I was actually away in school in California when um, he passed away. But I did get a chance to like go back and forth and visit him before he passed. Um, but so my dad has three girls and um, one boy with my mom and an older um, some with a previous lady before. And so we, we grew up every day with him. He was always there at home. He was like the stay at home dad. He was doing our hair, um, taking us to school, practice, cheerleading, you name it. He was taking us around um, everywhere. So we kind of had a close relationship and I was just the daddy's girl um always always looking out for him and so um him and my mom did divorce in my junior year of high school so that was 
maybe 20, 2007, 2008. Um, and so we kind of, I guess, grew distant um, just because of the, the dynamics behind, you know, the divorce and everything. So we didn't really get to enjoy a lot of time together. But when he did, because um, he actually moved away to Tennessee. So when he did get a chance to come back to D.C., we would see each other um, and hang out. He'll come to my, my brother's football games and things like that. Um, and so then he was diagnosed with cancer and I want to say 2013 is when I found out it may, he may have been diagnosed before, but he didn't tell any of us that I actually found out from a family member, um, of what he was going through and he didn't really take care of himself the way he should have. And me personally, I wish that I was there physically with him to kind of, I guess, I just didn't know it was that bad. Um, he, he was definitely a strong man, didn't want us to know he was feeling down or, you know, any type of way. So it was just difficult knowing how bad it got and that I felt like I could have maybe possibly helped a little bit more or possibly gave him a little bit more encouragement to keep going. Um, but cancer is something that's definitely hard to deal with. And so I'm okay knowing that he's not in any pain anymore and that he's in a better place. So that's the the biggest thing. And I still, I literally just um, said a prayer yesterday and I'm just like, you know, I feel like me saying a prayer sometimes I end up um, starting my prayer by talking to him. Just, it kind of makes me feel better. Like, you know, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while and it kind of, I don't know what to say, kind of, helps me to know that his spirit still lives on. Like he may not be here physically, but I can still talk to him and still kind of get advice and um, things through just prayer. And it's just funny how things just end up working out. It be something I prayed for that morning and then I may get a sign or something like that. Um, it, it's just it's just weird. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But so that's, that's the story with, with my dad. And, um, Right, right before he ended up passing away, actually Sundays was our days um, that we would talk. He'll call me um, because I was going away to school so far away. So Sundays was our day to talk. And um, he always, my husband's name is Philly, and he always called him, he always called him Phil. And like, that was his rule. Like, that was just his name. Like, he's like, who, where's Phil? And so, um, I think that he felt better knowing that me and him went to school together, but he was always, you know, kind of like, is he treating you good? You know, make sure you don't have to bring my shotgun, things like that. That was his favorite <laughs> was, I got to bring my shotgun, do I? And I'm like, no, you're good. We're, we're good. Mm -hmm. So those are just the memories that I have with him and, you know, his dancing and things like that. Just fun memories that I have with him. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So I know a lot of people have um, similar stories, right, where uh, while you're still building and transitioning in terms of life, you might lose a parent. And mm. unfortunately, cancer is so common, and I hate that they haven't found a cure yet, but it's like all these different types of cancer and certain people are susceptible to certain kinds, and it's just a, just a crazy mm. thing. But um, I'm glad that you're able to talk about it uh the way you are now um because obviously i don't think it's something you ever get over i can't understand i haven't lost a parent 
But I do know that from, from what I hear, it's not necessarily that you get over it, but you learn to live with it yeah. better. Um, and it gets better with time as far as the, the emotional side of it. But you can't ever actually, um, I guess, say get over it. But yeah. with what we do, a lot of times our conversations, the, the book, people going to counseling, there's conversations about dynamics as far as how someone raised you. Um, more often than not, it's, it's sons and fathers. And uh, I've had some contributions for people to speak into this. But in the in the book, uh, Whole Brother, Debunking the Mr. Break the Black Family, we address four different types of fathers uh, and those effects that they have on the sons. So mm-hmm. the four different types of fathers are the absent father, uh, father that's actually not there, um, the present but distant father, it's a father that's presently in the home but not but emotionally distant um the toxic father father who may have some bad habits that he may pass on and then um the single mother functioning as a father that's when mom has to take on both responsibilities and with each of those chapters there's also some information about well if if it's this type of father dynamic the son ends up coming out this way um and i try to speak for as one person, I try to speak for a variety of people as far as those sons saying, this is what I needed. This is what could have been done better. And I understand that, you know, there's no handbook to parenting, but I think it's healthy to have conversations when we're all adults, when we grow up to be able to be like, Hey, you know, I really appreciated this. You were really strong here, but I needed some more of this. So I think those conversations are, are healthy and helpful and like I said, we've had it in terms of sons and fathers, but I, I want to see if you can speak to uh, whether it's generally or specifically in your situation. What are some things that may not be obvious that daughters need from their dads? So some things that may not be obvious and just me speaking from my standpoint, um, I wish that I would have had more conversations about my dad's goals. Like, I just wonder where, because I'm very goal oriented and when I know that I I want to achieve something, I'm very driven for it. And so I just always wonder, okay, what did he want to be when he grew up or um, just, you know, what what was his goals in life and um, if he felt like he achieved those goals or if he, you know, just those type of conversations that I would have had with him. Um, and not the confidence because he was very, um, let's say, because I, I dated my boyfriend, well, my husband now, but boyfriend then, um, we've known each other since we were 10. So we kind of grew up together. And so I know he was always just giving us little pointers on how I guess a female should be as far as like nails wise. He was a big stickler for um if if the nail polish is starting to come off you know just just take it off um <laughs> to see like just the whole chip like just no so just little things like that that i never realized that men actually look at um so just i wish that fathers would have more conversations about that not just tell them you know hey you look you know 
like a like a, like I would hate to say it, but like a tramp or something like that. Instead of saying things like that, talk to them in a way of, hey, you know, you the guy kind of guy that you're gonna want to to get. This is you know the things that you should do because not just hearing it from a mother because a mother can only tell you from a female standpoint, but hearing it from a male standpoint, it it really helps. Um, conversations just saying about how we, I had to learn this, you know, a different way, not to say the hard way, but a different way as far as not being a stickler for everything, making everything an argument is just, this. this it's very, uh, what's the word? Um, it gives you a headache at the end of the day. So just not focusing on all the negatives of things and focusing on positives of things that helps a lot. Um, so yeah, as far as, as far as conversations go, just be open with your, your child. Yeah. So don't think that either they're not listening because we always listen. There's a whole bunch of conversations that I've had with older people that I may not have acted like I was listening back then, but I think about it now and I may not have received it in a way that they probably thought I should, but now when you're going through it, as you get older, you're like, okay, that's what that person was saying, or, you know, that's what they were trying to get me to understand. So even if they don't act like they're listening, they, they really are listening. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great point uh, to put out there. So uh, it makes me want to follow up with this then. So I've observed that, a lot of times when it comes to dads, they are more relaxed with their sons so they can mm-hmm. be their homie. They could be their friend, their bro, so to speak, uh, with their son. But a lot of times the perspective is like as a dad who may have been young and wild at one point, I don't want my daughter to be like maybe some females I've seen in the past. So you end mm-hmm. up being like a stickler really hard on your daughters to keep them from being a certain thing that you saw, but then you actually, but you don't balance it out with that friendship aspect that the sons get. But then mm-hmm. the converse of that is a lot of times the sons don't get the, um, because things are so lax, they may not get the, the, the stickler side that's also needed too. So like it, it ends up being imbalanced, uh, and sometimes daughters get it harder. Now, everybody's dynamic is different, but I think I, that's kind of what I hear you saying. So, uh, in terms of uh, your dynamic, I see you. I see you getting at like not being so intense about everything, um, because mm-hmm. you know you have to teach your kids, obviously, but at the same time, we have to we have to learn too. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things, for whatever reason, uh, don't translate the way they should until it's experienced. Um, so uh, just thinking from that perspective, what would be your suggestions for fathers that are raising daughters now who may have a chance to kind of correct that? Uh, help them understand what does balance look like for raising your daughter, being both a friend, but also trying to teach her and get her up on game as far as life. So my biggest thing was, um, well, my biggest thing that I should say is maybe kind of trying to find a middle balance between the friend and just, you know, like you said, the stickler father. Um, 
But I learned, and this is just my personal, not necessarily with my dad, but just with my husband, um, starting off a conversation as friendly or like with a joke or something like that, I feel like helps to ease <laughs> the conversation that could come up next. Um, so just sitting them down, maybe going to like lunch or something like that. Um, or even playing a game, any, any, just think of anything that you and your child may like doing together mm-hmm. and bring the conversation up then because just sitting them down, like saying, Hey, we need to talk about this, 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 and that it's, it kind of leaves a wall up like, okay, wait a minute. But when you're doing something kind of fun, it kind of brings your walls down. So you're able to kind of get to talking and, and kind of ask you know, maybe you have to pause again for a little second and kind of get a little bit serious. Um, but I feel like that would help because um, I had a habit of kind of starting a conversation like you need to do this or this is what this is wrong or whatever, whatever. And it's like, eh, like maybe just say, hey, you know, I don't know, like. I didn't like how you how how this happened. You know, I'm feeling you know this way. Just saying it in a different way, a different demeanor, um, helps a lot. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, would you say that it's more so about? I I hear two things. One, the context. It's okay to have serious conversations, but the context in which you bring it up uh, yeah. makes a difference in how you receive it. Uh, and what I I feel like I hear you saying also is that uh, it seems like relational history is important so it's like it's one thing that okay i'm your dad okay that's fine but it's possible to be a dad but to not have that that closeness like i spoke about emotional distance or emotional closeness Mm -hmm. so it seems like and i can i don't know if this was your situation but i have noticed in some others this is with sons and daughters is dad may not be invested on a day-to-day he may be working or whatever the case may be but then he might appear wanting to give orders and direction and it's like well where you been though <laughs> so it might not be received as well is, is, is that kind of yeah yeah definitely because like you said you, you you were talking about the four different types of um fathers and i think that i kind of most of of the times with my dad it was probably the present like he was there but maybe not emotionally there um yeah I was going to say like the conversations and, and because I was dating someone pretty much most of my younger life, um, it was always this, you know, this, this is what you're doing or, you know, and it's, and it's, it kind of made me feel like, okay, well, like you're here, but emotionally, like, I don't really, I'm not, it, it just wasn't perceived the way it could have been received growing up. But as I got older and going away to college, um, that's what I started to experience things. And then it's like, okay, then we started to have better conversations because mm-hmm. we were able to talk, I guess, about things that maybe I didn't perceive the right way um, because I felt like I had that present, but not emotionally present dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did change as we got older. So yeah. it, it's definitely room for change in that, that way. Maybe you're not, maybe you're strict on your, your kids now. Um, but maybe listening to this and just thinking like, okay, Hey, this is what I could do differently. Um, 
And because like you said, we're growing up, we, I guess, go experience more. And so we can have more to be like, okay, we have more to talk about and we have more questions. I guess growing up, you don't really have a lot of questions because you're not really experiencing a lot of, a lot of things. Um, and I feel like that helps too. Just... Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because uh, a couple months ago, I was doing a conversation with like a men's group about the book. And there were mostly fathers on there. Um, I think everybody on there was a father. And, you know, I'm late 20s. Uh, and one of the guys on there was uh, probably in his fifties. And as I was talking through like how to create a better dynamic with your son at the younger years and the old, in the older years. And I was talking about kind of teaching and guiding because I remember there was a media personality that said that he was in therapy and his breakthrough in therapy was realizing that he had resentment toward his father because his father used to discipline him for not knowing things that he never taught him in the first place. So it was like, you didn't teach me. How are you going to be mad at me for not teaching me? So mm -hmm. that theme was something I had already put in the book. I was like, you know, a lot of times we just assume with our sons, like you a man, so you should just, you should know how to do it. But it's like, nah, you have to teach me something. You know, children come into the world like sponges that are dry and then they just soak up whatever is taught. But if you don't teach anything, you know, if you don't add any water to the sponge, it, it stays dry. So one of the guys on the call, one of the parents, he was like, well, you know, he was like, I hear what you're saying in terms of teaching your kids and all that stuff. But I didn't have that. I was, uh, you know, I had to learn how to cook for myself. And I was in the house. I was young by myself. I had to learn how to cook. I had to learn how to provide. I had to do all this stuff myself. So. I feel a little funny about having to teach you everything because I didn't have anybody to teach me. And then another guy on the call told him, he was like, but that's dysfunctional though. He was like, don't, don't take pride in your dysfunction just because nobody was there for you. And then pass that on to your kids. Like you should do something different. Like maybe you didn't have anybody there for you to teach you these things, but don't take pride in that. You should be like, nah, I had to get it out the mud, but my kids shouldn't have to. I want to mm -hmm. make a point to show you everything and give you the things that I didn't have, not set you back the way that I was set back. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I, I definitely like that um, because you always want to make your, you always want your child to be better than you. And so kind of having this dysfunction, like, well, I didn't, I didn't have the, the hugs growing up or I didn't have the love that I wanted growing up. So why would I give that to my child? Or, you know, they, they'll be okay. You know, I grew up this way, so they made me who I am. So look, I'm gonna make them a man this way. And it never works like that because just, just like the thoughts that you're having in your head, like I feel this way, I feel resentment because I didn't get this, because I didn't get the hugs, the love, the, the teaching. Um, well, you you got to think about how your child would feel. Would you want your child to feel the same way that you felt, like not not getting the things that you felt like you wanted to get? And you never know with with you doing that with your child. That child has so many, um, I guess, good things, good things about them because you instill this in them. Not only are they 
your 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 child, your seed, but you're also implanting these things that you want passed on. So passing on dysfunction, just saying, hey, I don't want to do this because I was raised this way, that then that's for the next generation and the next generation. So it's like, how do I want the next generation to act? How do I want them to, how do I want my name and my legacy left in the world? Mm-hmm. And it, it, that, 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 I like that. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. that a lot. So definitely, I guess the point is that eventually somebody has to break the cycle, um, regardless, you know, of what you had. If you can create something better, you know, do it. So I want to transition now, as we mentioned before, Yelena Styles Boutique. Uh, there has been so much that I've learned about hair um, from female friends because I had made some comments about some things. And I had some female friends get me together real quick about <laughs> about hair. Just, it's just so much you don't know, right, as, as a man. Um, and I think that one thing that was explained to me is that, I don't know, but maybe it's been the past 10 years maybe, there's been a shift amongst black people in terms of hair as far as accepting our natural hair. Um. Even even I, w- I think even for men, there was a point like even when I was growing up, I was told, you know, you get to, you got to keep your hair short and clean cut because that makes you look more professional. If you mm-hmm. let it grow too much, then that looks unprofessional. You're going to have a hard time getting a job. That, like, like, that's what I was taught. Um, and it wasn't until maybe the past 10 years where I know guys that were taught that as well realize, no, nah, it's OK to let your coils, curls or whatever. Let it grow. You don't have to keep a buzz cut because. One isn't professional and one isn't unprofessional. We shouldn't be seen that way. And I just started realizing that for men. But then when I realized that about men, I was like, yo, women been dealing with this even before, (laughs) you know. And then I've heard stories about women that are on TV that they don't necessarily like wigs, but they wear them because their hair wouldn't be perceived as professional for television. I've heard about this crown act that I think was passed in California where employers can't discriminate based off of hair anymore apparently that was happening and then i had another female friend tell me about availability of products for our hair like you go to go to walmart you go to target you're gonna see tresemme and suave and you know and that's not necessarily for (laughs) us but now i'm 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 realizing like there's a whole natural hair community and it's funny because in college I decided to let my hair grow because I had never let it grow before. And I I used to hear about conditioners and I thought that was just women being extra. Like, oh, I got to get a conditioner and a shampoo. And a, and I'm like, I just thought y'all would be extra for the longest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I let my hair grow and I realized, oh, you can't just wash it and go for it. Like, you, you have to keep it conditioned. Like, I, I keep a conditioner now. I got to leave in and I got to wash out. So I'm, <laughs> I know the process now. And then I had my, I was letting my hair grow and I didn't realize that um, it looked the way it did when it grew. I had to get something. I was taught about something called a Denman brush. And I was like, oh, okay, this helps a lot. So now it's not all. St- so I have had this journey and I realized my experience is unique. I don't have any kids right now, but I know that there are fathers out there with sons and daughters that don't know the first thing about hair other than wave grease and a do-rag. 
Um, so, <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about, uh, helping dads with sons or daughters, uh, managing hair. Cause it doesn't always have to all be on mom. Mom might not know how to do the hair either. So, um, <laughs> we don't have to go into, you know, the details of, of like, um, some of the more, the, the difficult stuff you do in the salon, but just what are some, some things to remember? Let's just start here. Some things to remember or some, some helpful tips for dads. Let's just say there's a dad out there. He, uh, he's raising his two daughters, uh, alone, or he may not be able to get them to a salon or mom in time and he got to make it work. What are some things to know in terms of managing hair? Hello everyone. I'm Olivia Morgan, intake coordinator here at the whole brother mission. I'm here to pass on a little information about how you can join us in helping men in need seek licensed professional counselors nationwide. Number one, ask. Ask if your employer participates in matching donations. Many employers will match your gift to a nonprofit. We are a 501c3, so all gifts are tax deductible. Number two, pass. Pass this video as well as our website onto others so that they are aware of our services and our need of support. And number three, give. If you're able to, please consider giving. The proceeds remove barriers for men seeing a culturally competent mental health professional, and they support our upcoming HBCU book tour. Thank you for your time. Well, that is uh, very interesting because actually my husband thinks that pink lotion will solve any Everything. problem. It's looking dry. He's like, just put some pink lotion on it. And I'm like, True. no. I understand. Like, pink lotion is not good. <laughs> I don't even use pink lotion. I haven't used pink lotion in years since <laughs> the national community has helped a lot. There's a lot of products out now that can help. So I actually want to say that I actually went natural in 2012, I believe, um, just because I wanted to see how my natural curls even looked. Before then, I was getting relaxes every, I think it was like every two or three months. Or it was something like that. I was getting relaxes consistently. And then it was like, no, this is this is eating away at your hair. Your hair is not as full, as healthy. And so I ended up um, cutting my hair off and just growing in natural. And when I first grew it natural, there wasn't a lot of products out now. 2012, there was probably like a few, maybe Cantu was the only brand that I really knew of. So I had their leave-in and their shampoos and things like that. Um, so there are a lot more products out now that help with natural hair. And so the biggest thing that I have, a, uh, that I've seen a lot in the salons is trims and people don't realize that trims and conditioners help a lot with hair growth and the, the nature of the hair. Um, so in order for something to grow, you actually need to, to trim those dead ends off and, um, that also helps with like your comb outs. It's it's a lot that goes into it if you're not getting a trim. Your hair could be breaking off. Um, it when you're because with natural hair, we're constantly having to comb our hair a lot, and that can be breaking up your ends. And so when you just let, I've had people come in that haven't had a trim in like five, ten years, and I'm like, I gotta cut this this much of your hair off because 
you know, you haven't been taking care of it the right way. So the biggest thing is trims. Um, my rule of thumb is that every three to four months, so every time the seasons change, you want to be trimming those um, dead ends off. And there should be some YouTube videos. And I'm also um, working on some videos myself with trying to help people that may not be able to afford going to the salon or maybe not be able to get to a salon. Because when I went to school, I was in places where there weren't any salons nearby, especially people that did um, our hair. And so I want to start doing those those videos on trims. Um, I also have I did have a class a few months ago where I talked about just the tips for healthy hair growth. And so the biggest thing was deep conditioning, because just putting a conditioner on your hair, combing it through and rinsing it out, that doesn't help the hair um, retain moisture. And so leaving the deep, the conditioner on your hair and maybe sitting underneath a dryer or leaving it in overnight or a few hours, um, it allows the product to get into your, your hair shafts and really get your hair moisturized. And so then after that, also putting in the leave-in conditioner because just rinsing it out and then just letting it go, um, it, it doesn't help with keeping your hair, I guess, moisturized. And so a lot of people, and what I do is a lock method. And so it's pretty much your leave-in conditioner, your oils, and I forget what the C stands for, but it's pretty much the lock method. It locks in the moisture of your hair. Leave-in oil and conditioner? <laughs> or I think... It's yeah, I heard of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't think of it right now. But it's pretty much a lock method where you're just locking in the moisture. You want to put your leave-in conditioner, your oil, and then I never leave my hair just out, especially if you have daughters or even boys, because I've had some some um, boys that come to the shop and their hair is just as long as the girls. Um, but when you're detangling the hair, you want to put it in sections and not just detangle and and the hair is all over the place. You want to be work smarter and not harder. So combing it out in sections while the condition is still in your hair, of course, rinsing that out, putting in your leave-in conditioner, your oil, and then I always twist the hair. Um, and sometimes I let it dry like that because it helps with, um, when you just comb it through, rinse it out, and you just put your leave-in conditioner and your oil, your hair can it starts to kind of coil or back around each other. And so you're finding yourself having to comb through it again. And you don't, who wants to keep combing their hair out every day? So I always do some type of twist out or braid or something um, if I'm at home and not able to get, you know, if you're not able to get to the shop or something like that. Um, but what else? I did have, I don't know if, um, well, I am going to have a video also on blow drying. I did have a class on that as well, but there's like techniques to blow drying and things like that. So it's a whole nother thing, but blow drying also helps when you're um, braiding, doing braiding styles, even if you're doing some quick two braids or, you know, a few ponytails in your, in your child's hair, um, blow drying helps to stretch that style out even more because if you're just doing it on wet hair and your hair is prone to getting more frizzy so now you're having to do their hair every two to three days versus blow drying the hair relaxes the curl and it stretches out that style so maybe you don't have to do it for like another week or two just depending on what style you're putting in their hair um so i hope that helps <laughs> definitely 
So I was just thinking about products. What mm-hmm. are some products? You can say brands if you want. What are some things just to have on hand? Because I got some go-tos that I know of now. But what are some things that, you know, a dad maybe keeping his daughter for the weekend or whatever the case may be, what are some things he needs to have? Just uh, specific brands of oil, leave-in conditioner, or mousse, or whatever that you could think of. Stuff that's just good to have as a as a backup, or stuff that's always going to be a necessity. Got you. So, um, as far as um, my shampoos and conditioners, I even now I use the same thing that I use in the shop, um, which is this brand called Joyco, and it's J O I C O. Joyco. Um, But that's a brand that you can find inside of Marshalls or TJ Maxx. And it's a professional brand. Um, They actually don't sell it in like Sally's. They only sell it in Cosmoprof, which is a um, professional beauty supply store. But they do sell those brands in like the TJ Maxx and the Marshalls, like I said. Um, So that's always something that I suggest to my clients just because it's a product that I've been using for, I've been doing hair full-time in a, in a salon for three years now. And so it's something I use on every single client. Um, so that's the the shampoo and the conditioner. And it's called the K-Pack. So it's in like a white and gold um, bottle with like some red lighting, red writing. Um, and so I use that on my all of my clients. As far as oils go, um, I do use one specific brand just because it is Black-owned. Um, there's a guy that comes to my shop and and he also ships to people as well. Um, but I like to use that oil because it actually smells really good and it has all the essential oils in it. So even if you're not able to maybe get that oil per se, and it's by Cultured Naturals, even if you're not able to get that oil per se, there's so many, um, I guess, YouTube videos on how to make your own oils at home. And the reason why I like using that oil is because I don't have to make it myself, but it has all the essential oils, like your jojoba oil, your castor oil, um, olive oil, all the different oils that are very good for your hair. It's in there and it smells good. So that's the brand that I like to use as far as oils. Um, And oil is something you don't always, I know a lot of people use like the black castor oil and that oil is, so heavy on the hair and it could clog your pores. So it's really not good to use on a consistent basis. So that I do want to say if you're getting an oil, you want to make sure that it's um, a light oil, but not too light where it's just coating your hair and not doing nothing to it. But you don't want it too heavy to where like the castor oil to where it's too thick and it's just clogging your pores and you know your hair is not really growing healthy with that. I know a lot of people use it on like thinning edges or bald spots and it does help with that, but you want to use it sparingly and maybe just in those areas and not all over your hair. And growing up, I used to use olive oil a lot, but that kind of, it kind of stinks and mm-hmm. it's, it's not the best oil, especially for styles. Um, maybe if you're doing like a twist out, it's okay. But if you're doing styles, you don't want those type of oils and like coconut oil. Those actually, when you try to put heat to it, it's actually kind of cooking your hair in a way. Um, Because people do use that for for cooking. And so um, I do suggest those things. As far as leave-in conditioner, any leave-in conditioner really is fine. Um, There is a lot of different conditioners out now. 
um, that are really good for the hair. I like to use the spray just because it um, it, it kind of gets more of the hair and it's not so concentrated as far as like the cream leave-in conditioners. Those are good too, but I only really use those for, like I said, twist outs and maybe rod sets, things that you're not having to put so much heat into your hair. Um, and then what else is there? Leave-in conditioner, you got oil. Oh, foam. So I like to use the Nairobi foam. It's kind of expensive, but it's my favorite foam just because it allows you the natural curl to form and it doesn't dry the hair out. That's maybe the only foam that I've actually found where it does not dry the hair out at all. And I actually use it on my twist. So whenever I'm doing a twist style or a twist out, um, even like twist updos, things like that, the Nairobi foam is my go-to. Like it's my, my favorite foam to use. And I've used so many other different foams. And I've always gone back to that because it's the only one that really works and really does what I want it to do. Mm -hmm. I use it on my rod sets too. So I use it literally on, on everything. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that's it for the, my go-to products. Right. Yeah. So I, and you hit on this a little bit earlier. So I recently had to cut my beard down a little bit because mm -hmm. it was, I had, uh, breakage and, and split ends and stuff and I, I I have been happening for a long time I just didn't think anything of it because I guess just didn't really didn't care I mean you know just not not being in the know about hair uh, mm -hmm. or, or thinking about it the way women do because I, I hear women complain about split ends all the time and I'm like sometimes I don't even notice it but then I started noticing it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then I started having it in my beard and I realized just like you said earlier you got to cut it for it to grow um, to get past those things and I realized the issue was that I wasn't keeping it moisturized enough. So I would just moisturize it when I was going out. But if I was staying in for the day, I just wouldn't bother it. And it, it ended up getting drier. And that, that was the issue. So now that I try to keep it moisturized, I'm good to go. Um, I don't have those, those breakage issues anymore. Do you have any tips for men trying to manage their beard? Um, I find myself always like trimming every time I look at my husband. I'm like, yeah, I will split in right there. So I'm just trying to trim, trim the beard all the time. Um, but as far as products, I actually just bought a few products for him to try. Um, so I don't really want to name those yet because I'm not quite sure if they work. Um, but I bought him like a, a beard wash because you want to. It's like you're cleaning your face and your body and like your hair. You want something that is going to get that clean. And he was just, I don't know why guys do this, where they use soap literally for everything. <laughs> On his hair, his face, his body, everything. And I'm like, no, you need some things that are actually formulated for that specific thing, actually formulated for your hair, formulated, you know, for your body or, you know, for your beard. So I bought him a beard wash um, and it has a conditioner as well and a moisturizer and an oil for growth because he, I don't know if a lot of men, they have on like the spots in their beard and where it grows, but just in certain spots, you know, it's missing a few things. So, yeah. um, so I did buy him an oil so that he can do that. And I wouldn't necessarily say that he needs to use the oil pretty much every day. Um, because, I mean, it is your face and you also don't want, you know, to start breaking out. 
but maybe just every time you feel like it's getting a little dry, maybe every other day or something like that. Um, so kind of treat it, treat it like your hair. So those are a pretty, it's pretty much four products that you would need for it. And like, like I said, the wash, the condition, um, the oil, and then some type of moisturizer, or sometimes they come out, come as pomade, I think it's called. Um, so I wish I remembered the brand like off the top of my head. And I want to say it's maybe the Cantu that I got, but I was watching a bunch of videos because I was like, I'm trying to help him out. Like I can't be trying to help everybody go to hair. And then I got him struggling over here with the beard. So I started watching videos and then I saw that a lot of people were using um, the Cantu, which is a new product that they just came out with. Um, so I don't know if it's working just yet because we just got it. So hopefully it helps. Right. Yeah. So I never, it's funny. I never thought of myself as becoming a, a men's grooming YouTuber, but now I feel like I'm about to become that because I'm like, all right, well, this is what I use. So yeah. I think, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Cantu, go ahead. What'd you say? It helps. It helps helping yeah. somebody else out. Like this is what I started using. This is what helps me. Mm-hmm. So it may help you. Definitely. So I, I definitely use a lot of the Cantu products. So what I've learned, and if I say something wrong, let me know. What I've learned is it's important to, uh, obviously, to, to wash it, um, your beard or your hair generally, to wash it. Maybe not every day, uh, depending on, you know, your situation, but uh, to wash it. So I use the, the Cantu shampoo. Um, and I just, I use a thicker pomade so for my waves. Uh, so I do end up washing it every day just because I don't want any residue, but you don't have to do that. And I don't like wearing a do-rag at night. So I kind of have like a 30-minute routine in the morning where I wash it, condition it, put the pomade in, leave the do-rag on, and I get good results. But that's for me. So uh, same thing with the beard. Um, uh, I also use a Cantu washout conditioner in the shower. Uh and then put that in, leave it in for a minute, and wash it out with cool water so that it'll hold better because hot opens up the pores and everything. So yeah. you don't you don't want to wash your hair. I mean, when, you, when you're putting a conditioner in, you want to use cooler or, or warm or mid-temperature water so that it can hold it rather than when stuff is hot, it just opens everything up and it comes right out. Um, and then... When I'm out of the shower, I use a oil. I use a, another Cantu leave-in conditioner. And I know that some of the hair people say don't use this, but it, it works for me. But I also use Echo Styling Gel. So mm-hmm. I have to put all three of those in my beard to get it to relax <laughs> and stay moisturized. And I don't have no patches. And it's it, it's cool. So uh, I do those things. And those, those kind of keep it moisturized for the bulk of the day. Um, it holds it in and that, and that works well for me. Um, so yeah, Cantu products work. Some people use Shea Moisture as well. Uh, Shea Moisture is a little more expensive, but they don't work as well for me. So I just stick with Cantu. I just went out. Um, but yeah, so those are the, the products that I use, uh, in closing, could you speak to those that would like to connect with you? your salon or maybe have some hair serve, hair needs that you can meet, uh, give them the ways to connect with you. 
Okay, so I am on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Yelena Styles, and that's Y E L E N A S T Y L Z. Um, and so I'm also on. Backtrack. Okay. <laughs> so those are the ways that you can follow me on social media. Um, I'm located in Laurel, Maryland. I have a salon suite. Um, located inside of Cilantro Select Suite, Suite 87. Um, and also, if you go to my Instagram, you'll be able to click on my website where I sell um, hair products. And I also um, have a booking site on there as well where you can book an appointment, see my pricing, see all the styles that I do. So I mainly do natural hair. Um, I am expanding into like the micro links and the weaves and things like that. Um, so... Bye. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for joining us, Elena. We appreciate your time. This is Malik Blade, and this has been the Whole Brother Mission Podcast. Thank you.